Recording in progress. False start. Off to a slow start, but whatever. Miss Mitzi Purdue on here for episode 944 on Saturday, October 8th, 2022, 3.13 okay, p.m. Okay, but Tommy, time. I, yes, I need to introduce myself because I you know you do. do it. Here's I, what I, you I was do. getting there. I was getting there. You got to give me a minute. Miss Mitzi yeah, Purdue, but, but you please might introduce not have gotten yourself. It right. you please introduce yourself. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, you are in the podcasting uh, experience of hearing the Claire Lopez of Salisbury, Maryland. As you have been described, as you've been described in popular circles. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Yeah, I mean, wow. I mean, how, how did everybody get so lucky that they get the Claire Lopez of Salisbury, sometimes you, sometimes you just get a royal flush. Yeah, sometimes yeah, life happened. just smiles on you. It happens. So, but... Um, could you describe, yeah, well, could you introduce yourself for the new listeners, please? Okay, in case it's not immediately obvious what it means to be the Claire Lopez of Salisbury, Maryland. Claire is, she's got to be one of your most popular and most consistent guests. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if whenever I see that Claire Lopez is going to be on, I drop everything to, to listen. And so what I aspire to, unrealistically, is to be the Claire Lopez of Salisbury. However, in case as you mentioned, uh, that somebody's new. I could also describe myself in other ways. Uh, let's see, for a starter, what's relevant right now and what I hope we talk about is I'm a writer by trade. I've spent a good bit of my life, let's see, I had a syndicated column on the environment with Scripps Howard. It was the most widely syndicated column on the environment in the United States for more than a decade. Woohoo! Uh, I also write on business. Uh, I write on. I write for Psychology Today. But what's most relevant right now is that I'm. I was a month ago in Ukraine. I was the guest of law enforcement in Ukraine, and I got to see some things that, unless you're a friend of law enforcement, you wouldn't get to see. And I would absolutely adore to share that with our listeners. And in our last episode, we did go. Up- uh, did go over some of your travels there, but I believe for today you were going to, because I think I texted you like what like a week ago, just kind of on a whim. I don't know why it popped into my head. I found that these are the best episodes I get. Those when I just an old guest pops into my head, and I'm like, "What are you doing?" And so, in a way that only I can, because of the podcast, I just texted you and said, "Do you have any stories that we've never touched on before?" And without missing a beat, you were like, "I think you said uh, that. What about the people stealing irradiated metal from Chernobyl?" And I was like, well, that, there we go. There's a story right there. So can you enlighten yeah. me on that? Yeah, unless you happen to have read five stories that are in print or at least published right now that I wrote in the last month, you probably don't know about the irradiated scrap metal. And here's no. the deal. Back in uh, when the Russians first invaded, yeah, I, I don't think this is widely known, but that doesn't matter because I'm going to make it widely known. When the Russians invaded, immediately to the north of Ukraine is a very small country that's very closely allied with Russia, 
Uh, it's called Belarus. And the border between Belarus and Ukraine, it almost touches on Chernobyl. And yes, that Chernobyl. Pri Pripyat, correct? Yeah, yeah. Okay, the, the, it's the area around Chernobyl, Chernobyl, the nuclear power plant, just blew up 36 years ago. And for almost a thousand square miles in a radius around Chernobyl, it's called the Chernobyl Exclusion Area. And it extends even into Belarus, by the way. And it's, people are excluded from it because there are pockets of radiation that the radiation can be uh, serious enough so that it's deadly. Mm -hmm. And you know something that the Russians didn't expect because when they invaded, they crossed through Belarus into Ukraine and the first place they hit is the exclusion area. And we now know that a lot of the Russians who invaded, they, they dug trenches in the exclusion area, they just stayed there and ended up with radiation sickness and we think quite a few of them are dead and a lot of them are, are mortally ill because highly irradiated scrap metal holds on to irradiation. And yeah, the Russians had no training. They had no idea that they're just like camping in the middle of, of hot spots. But now how does that affect us? And it does, or at least how does it affect the world? The purpose of the Chernobyl police, you know, they, I suppose they do several things, but their biggest function is to keep poachers out of the exclusion area because oh. I've, I've heard estimates that there's as much as a million tons of irradiated metal in the thousand square miles that that was once inhabited by 385,000 people and they had cars and washing machines and heaven knows what else there were factories there were ferris wheels there were you know there's just a lot of metal that goes along with the lifestyle of 385,000 people well the the Chernobyl police, their major function was they knew where the hot spots were, they knew where the scrap metal like junkyards were, and their job was to keep everybody out of that area. And you know, it's irradiated enough so that you know, when I got to visit it, I was noticing that we were driving through like eighty miles an hour. And mm. yeah, you know, why are we going through at eighty miles an hour? And that is because once we're out of the exclusion area, we are going to be uh, wanded with Geiger counters to make sure that we weren't there so long that we had a dangerous dose. And that's, you know, riding through at 80 miles an hour. What must it have been like for the Russians who just camped there? But that's another story. Let's go back to the poachers. The poachers, they, they can make a fortune out of scrap metal because scrap metal is a high value item if you're- Well, anyway. You know, yeah, but if, if you're, ah, it, it, it's poacher heaven if, if you don't care that you're going to die from poaching this stuff, which somehow they don't seem to know or care. But the, the police would keep them out because the police know exactly where the poachers would go and they'd know where the hot spots are. They had a fleet of 30 cars that would just patrol the area and when they'd catch a poacher, 15 years in jail for you. So they were able to have a very strong deterrence just by their presence. However, when the Russians crossed over into Chernobyl, you know, the Russians are heading south across Belarus into the Chernobyl border. And I think, I think it's like seven or eight miles 
Chernobyl itself is like seven or eight miles from the Belarus border. When the Russians got to the police station, they did what they do with all police stations when, yeah, when they're invading. They pretty much bombed it to rubble. Uh, and they, they do that because it's a giant psyops. And by the way, if I'm monologuing for too no, long... No, no, no. Mitzi, you are one of the few guests who I openly uh, push to have you monologue. If, if I don't want you monologue, trust me, I'd be interrupting you and inserting Okay, because um, it, it's not my intent to be rude. No. <laughs> but, but, all right, since you've given me position... Mitzi, I wouldn't keep inviting you back here if I didn't like having you on. I'm, I've, I'm very, I do not... I don't have manners when it comes to inviting guests. If I didn't enjoy it, you're, you're not coming back. And besides, I am the Claire Lopez of Salisbury. You are, so I do need my CIA asset. <laughs> okay, to go on. Uh, here's what would happen when wherever the Russians would invade, they'd destroy the police stations. And they'd do it as a giant psyop, psychological operation. Because the Russians know, and I've, I've heard this from the head of police, uh, General Nebitov of the Kiev region, said the Russians very specifically target police stations because they can compound the trauma of having your company and your country invaded if yet you're feeling unsafe when your country's invaded but it gets multiplied mm -hmm. when the russians empty the prisons you know the rapists the murderers the looters the arsonists are all running free and doing their thing encouraged by the russians and you can't call the police because the police station is bombed the communications just don't exist anymore the the cars, the police cars, have even stole either been stolen or destroyed, and so the psychological operation aspect of it is, you, from the Russians' point of view, demoralize the Ukrainians by attacking them and destroying their the police ability to serve and protect, and you get vastly demoralized population, which is easier for the for the invaders to control. All right, back to the poachers and what happens. The poachers, you know, they, they can just bring trucks in to the junkyards and steal or poach scrap metal, and then they sell it on the global market. And, you know, a small do dose of radiation, you know, the, the kind that might be in, in something highly irradiated that goes into the scrap metal market, it's probably not gonna kill you immediately but suppose mm -hmm. it ends up being made into a doorknob or a piece of a car or something five years from now and i'm speaking worst case but nevertheless worst case exists uh, you start getting tumors blood cancers your teeth start falling out your hair starts falling out you are suffering from radiation sickness because of that irradiated doorknob and you never know what caused you to be ill yeah. and by the way, the United States recognizes this danger, and I've, I've been reading that we are now checking scrap metal that comes into this country, I guess with Geiger counters, but I think it's a fair guess to say that most countries aren't doing that. And, and that means that there's just a fantastic amount of, of like damage that nobody ever even expected that the, Russian caused, the Russians caused by invading Chernobyl. I mean, they've just let loose upon the world highly irradiated, lethally radiated scrap metal. In fact, I was I got to see a, a Ferris wheel in in one of the towns, and I was with 
a woman who, whose background, she knows everything you can think of about irradiation. She said that the kind of metal in those like gondolas that are in the Ferris wheel, that they're particularly attractive or attracted or retain radiation. And she said the radiation in those gondolas, you know, d d don't even get in you know, with, within 500 yards of the thing because it's, it's radiating so fast that it's just deadly. Wow. And, you know, the, the poachers are going after it. Well, I mean, I remember going to college and before I transferred to the University of Georgia, I went to a tiny, tiny college in southern Georgia called Valdosta State in Valdosta, Georgia. And I remember, I mean, I was in a fraternity and frats generally, you know, you generally have more money than just like an average party house or something. And I remember we would take old scrap, well, you'd make pledges to it, take old scrap metal to just like the local junkyard just to make beer money. But even that, just like, you don't even have to be in a, in a former Soviet bloc nation to scrap. I remember like if it was trash, you'd throw it out. But like there was an old refrigerator that had been there for 30 years. It was like, whoa, 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 take that to the junkyard. We can get 200 bucks for that and throw a party with it. And that was, and that was in first world America with a bunch of suburban frat boys. And then you got to think how much more valuable is it there? Right. And they don't care if it's irradiated. That's the good stuff. That's stuff that was used in an actual functioning place of 380,000 people. But then there's got to be another level of not even accidental. I mean, if you just wanted to build a cheap dirty bomb, what you would oh. do is go get a radiated metal and then just just get like a sander, grind it down in a powder, strap it around a bomb. And then a, a five dollar IED that a jihadist uses now turns into a dirty bomb that would normally if you tried to build, you'd get intercepted by the CIA. But now you could just go take part of a gondola, ship it to Iran. And now you have a dirty bomb. I, th I think it would work. Wouldn't be yeah. uh, would it be conventionally dirty? You're supposed to use like pure fissile material, but it'd be the but, same but thing. But how about it, it's enough to cause a lot of illness and yeah. I, mean, I, I think it wouldn't kill you right off. It will it'll take a while, but this stuff you don't want to be constantly exposed to yeah. it. Or you grind it down in a powder, and you just you just like a crop duster, just go put it over crops. Yeah, because once, the, you, once yeah. you ingest that stuff, curtains. Well, yeah. Yeah, it's bad enough if it's like on a doorknob and it's you're exposed to it day in, day out. Yeah. L low level, but still, you don't want it. But yeah. if you eat it, oh, and then it's inside you radiating uh, end of the world. Yeah. And radiation is, I mean, is, is if I remember correct, it's, it's kind of more like heat where it can transfer. So if you took a radiated metal and it was powdered and you somehow ingested it, it's going to, you can remove the metal your body will still be irradiated, right? I mean, that's what Putin used to kill that journalist in like 20, was it like polonium? Yeah, polonium, I think. It was like a, it was like a pinprick of polonium. Killed him in three days. Yeah, I mean, bad stuff. However, uh, I've, I've been telling the negative stuff. Let's switch over to the positive stuff. What in God's name could be, all right, I'll, how do you save this? <laughs> all right. Well, I, I got to visit with, with the police at this, this bummed out police station and they told me that if it were possible to get the cars replaced, they, I mean, they couldn't completely stop the poaching, but they sure to heck could slow it down. Now, now they're completely defenseless. I mean, the poachers have no deterrence, but if they could get back the deterrence that would be cap that they'd be capable of if they got the cars. So I want to share with you uh, something that I'm trying to do, and I want you to wish me luck on it. And if you've got any ideas how I can push it along. 
I have just written an article for the, I think it's the Detroit Free Press, uh, and I've just learned that it's been accepted, that uh, probably by the time this airs, we hope that it will be, uh, people will be reading it, in which I tell the story that I just shared with you, but I also shared the PS, the, uh, the better part of it. The Ukrainians, they don't have a budget to replace the missing 23 cars, but what if a, what if, like Chevrolet or, or its parent company General Motors or Ford or some car company decided, or maybe they could collectively do it, to donate 23 cars. And the cars, by the way, are manufactured in Europe anyway, so, so it's, it's very convenient for American, an American company can give it to Ukraine with all the right, I don't know, met, metric system, whatever mm -hmm. else, for yeah. replacement parts. You know, it's, it's very doable. In fact, the cars that were stolen were Chevrolet, except they were manufactured in Europe. What if for, yeah, first to be a good guy, but second for just fantastic uh, public PR. relations. Yeah. yeah, PR that's, that's uh, controversy free because nobody in the world can be against stopping the scrap metal dealers. And so my hope is I get their attention that way. Then I'm going after a couple of Congress people and a senator who have connections, like one is very connected with the board of directors of General Motors, for whom. Uh, I've, I've, let's see, I've got those people lined up to uh, be persuasive that this would be a good idea. Then on top of that, the new owner of Forbes magazine, Forbes, Forbes was bought recently, by the way, and I happen to know the guy who did it. Really? And yeah, and I said, uh, "Could you help in this project?" And he here's what he promised me. He said, "I believe in it. You know, the PR would be well. First of all, the doing goodness is is overwhelming. But on top of that, uh, it would almost be a favor to the to the car companies to get yeah. so much at so little cost to get global to cure a global problem." And he said, uh, "I will call the head of Chevrolet. I think her name's Mary something or other." Uh, and I'll let her know that we like this project, and if she chooses to uh, make it happen, that we'll do one heck of a great story on it, because again, we believe in this. So I think there's a real chance that, uh, that we could replace those 23 missing cars. I was gonna say, that's even, it's kind of, it's kind of a political, I mean, it's inherently political of it being Russian-Ukrainian war, but it's even, it's, kind of apolitical in that it's i mean you could maybe i should do pr for a living you could couch it in a way that this is more like you know the dangers of fukushima right it's not just it didn't just happen in japan you've seen those like time lapse maps of like the irradiated seawater leaving fukushima and yeah, now it's like yeah. in fish in california yeah yeah no i mean that is very much so where's that scrap metal go how do i not you know, how do I know that, like, there's not some of that cheap metal in, in my iPhone well, <laughs> or this microphone? <laughs> like, you know. Oh, it, actually, there, there could be. If, if, it, if it's manufactured in this country, I think we're safe because in the U.S., we're aware of this danger of irradiated scrap metal. But, I mean, but if it was manufactured in, in some place that accepts the scrap metal. Well, I mean, all of our phones are made in Foxconn, the Foxconn factories uh, in China. You really th how 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 stringent do you think the Chinese procurement policies are? 
Uh, I'm not going to bet on it. <laughs> there we go. So, yeah, I mean, you could you could catch that in an entirely just like humanitarian way. I'm kind of thinking so because so many things, if, if, if you're a big company and you want to get good PR, there's probably somebody you're going to tick off with whatever you do. But this, this everybody's got to love it. Yeah, you can. That's it, it's pretty apolitical. It's it's radiation. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty, you, you, you can kind of nail that. That's pretty good. Well, if any of our listeners has any idea of how to push this along, because I think you're, I mean, my theory is this is fairly big, and one approach is no guarantee, but if I go at it from 20 sides, I've, I've got a better chance. You almost wonder if, uh, man, if, why wouldn't Elon Musk do it? He's already doing Starlink there. you think he would just give him a couple cars, but... um. It's Actually, gotta... he might, but how do you get to him? Because I think I knew I... how to get to him. I would have had him on already. <laughs> yeah, but I think that I'm guaranteed to get the. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. the 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 guest editorial that the Detroit Free Press is is you know in the next couple of days have told me that they're going to carry. It's kind of like an open letter to the uh, to the automotive industry. Yeah. So it I. If if it, if all goes as I hope, and I don't ever want to count on any, on anything because I'm actually kind of superstitious, I don't want to jinx it. Don't ever, yeah. But I think it's got a chance. On the uh, well, kind of two ways. Um, one, it'd be interesting. I wonder if you could do something. With, well, I know I guess you would still need police cars to go intercept them. I mean, I wonder if you could do something like drone, like persistent surveillance. If you just took like. Oh, actually, if they had the budget, they. We, we even talked about this. They would love to have drones because here, here's a problem with police in Chernobyl. Uh, even yeah. if you avoid all the hot spots or if you're in a hot spot and you drive through at 80 miles an hour, uh, you can still only be there two weeks at a time and then you have yeah. to have two weeks off. But then, but then there's an added problem. A typical police car in this country, you know, it's, it's, its service life is gonna vary, but it could easily be 10 or 12 years. In Chernobyl, absolutely never beyond eight years. When a police car goes into Chernobyl, it stays there forever because oh. it's going to pick up radiation. And beyond eight years, it's uh, it's too big a health hazard. Um, I was going someplace with that. I was thinking um, with, with drones. Oh yes, yeah. they want drones because uh, because the drone uh, they they can sweep down low and watch things that that you can't do from a police car you know a lot a lot of the the exclusion area right now and I've been in it so I've seen this uh, a lot of it is hugely overgrown it's almost like mm -hmm. a jungle uh, and I haven't seen Planet of the Apes but a person that I know said that the whole exclusion area you know there's cities towns apartments supermarkets uh, fairs where the Ferris wheel is uh, it's all overgrown, like they're like in a parking lot in front of a, a supermarket. I remember noticing birches that have gone through the uh, the I guess it's asphalt yeah. of the parking lot. The, the, the trunk is six inches thick, and you know there are thousands of them. The whole area sort of is feels forested. It's so if so, how do you if if you're a poacher, you can sneak through under the canopy. On the other hand, if you've got some nice drone that has heat sensors. Yeah, thermal or IR or something. And yeah. because, 
I mean, I know there is wildlife there, but like for There's the most tons. part, yeah. But I mean, even then, I mean, I would imagine thermal has progressed enough to where it's less about the thermal image and more about like the silhouette. So, you know, if you see a body mass of a deer, you could probably put it in the software to like exclude that. I'm, I'm so, sure it could. And then on top of that, by the way, I've mentioned scrap metal poaching because that's global. But another, there, there's other poaching, like there's poaching for meat. And then tell me if this isn't interesting and, and kind of menacing if you're from Asia. One of the things that the poachers do is they'll, the, the deer are just, you know, there's, there's been no hunting of them for 36 years. So they're just, you know, they're crowding the area. The poachers will kill them for meat, sell the meat on the, on the local market, but then and here's the part which ought to be creepy for anybody from Asia. They take the horns, they ground the horns into powder, and they, do you know what, I've used the wrong word, the antlers. Yeah. They, they, gr they grind the antlers, the deer antlers, into powder and say that it's the horn of, like, yeah, it's a Yeah, it's yeah, it's like a, or, they, or that I was going to say, or they just they just grind it up and say it's like a, like a fertility supplement. Well, the, the, I'm, Actually, I know a little bit about this because as, as somebody who wrote about the environment for years, that one of the biggest sources of poaching, like rhinos, for instance, uh, is the horns are supposed to be aphrodisiac. Mm -hmm. Oh, and they're also, th this is fact, they have some properties that can help diminish fevers. So, you know, people pay a fortune for horns and the, the poachers, you know, you grind it up, the, the, the buyer who's going to use it for Asian medicine, they don't know that it's not, yeah. that it's an antler rather than a horn. It, it's you know, quite similar. Yeah. If you test and it, it just be and the, I don't know enough about this. You, I, I bet you do with your medical background, but it, I, I, I was told while I was in Chernobyl, but not having enough of the background, I can't, I can't like repeat it, but it's along the lines of bioconcentration. The the deer eats, I don't know, the leaves, the grass, whatever, and it gets bioconcentrated. Can you talk about that since I can't? Well, from the, I mean, it just seems like the rate, talking about like radiation, because radiation would go into the, the water tables and the water that would go into the soil, which would go into the, much like it's, you irradiate the metal and the bricks and everything that was there when it happened, but then all the radiation that went into the ground and went into the water tables, all subsequent plant life, is also going to be irradiated and anything that eats that i mean again back to fukushima it's it goes into the ocean and then the plankton eat it and then whatever the fish eat it and then we eat the fish and now all of a sudden it's like how come we're finding these fukushima uh these fukushima generating isotopes in minnesota and it's like well there, there's there's a chain of that and then but my impression is that it gets concentrated and by the time it reaches a deer's antlers it it it, it can kill you Oh, I, I, I have no, I have no idea. That's beyond anything. Okay, well, that, in which case, it's beyond me. But I'll still try to repeat what I heard while I was there. It came about in the following. How, how I know anything about this, which isn't enough, but let's plunge in. While I was there, at the police station, the the police station was bombed, but there was like an outbuilding, which was uh, where they would store evidence because if you're a poacher you're very likely to have 15 years in jail but you will have a trial and they will keep the stuff that they found on you 
and there was there were antlers that was in this this area that's safe from radiation. Maybe it's lead lined or something, but they did have an, a a safe area to store highly irradiated evidence. The Russians broke into this, and one of the things that they would make off with was antlers. And I was told by by the people who were showing me around, including a woman who, uh, you know, Dr. Oksana Oretsi or whatever her name is, uh, she she was trying to explain to me that that the antlers have much, much, much more radiation than than like the meat would, gotcha. because it just kept on holding on to the radiation. And she said the sold, the Russian soldiers who stole the evidence, the antlers. Not only are they probably dead by now, but the people who, you know, when they brought it back to their, uh, wherever they were staying, it was probably make everybody else ill too. And that's because of bioconcentration. But you know what? I am way beyond my knowledge right now, so I will quit. I'm not sure I'm ahead, but I'll quit. No, no, it's, it makes sense. I mean, I know that happens with some things. I mean, I know even in humans, right? I mean, different things deposit in different areas. Some things deposit primarily in fat, some things. So it makes sense that that's where they would go. Uh, I personally don't know anything about that, but I mean, I, I think that makes sense. I think that's something I've, I've heard. Well, of I'm before. confident that I'm repeating what she told me, but to go any bit, any bit deeper than what she told me, I, there's no way I could do it. But I do believe that she told me that uh, that antlers were particularly deadly because they bioconcentrate the radiation. And that's the stuff that's going out, uh, particularly to the Asian market. I mean, it's the, the, the police have a fairly good understanding of what the poachers are doing and among mm -hmm. the things that they do. They, a, a poacher you know, may, might specialize, like one poacher might gather mushrooms, another might gather berries, uh, another might specialize in meat and antlers, and the police know very well where those antlers go, gets ground up into supposedly horns and sold to Asia. And and, and by the way, it's, it's deadly, she told me. I mean, I feel like, and I have a very, not even limited lack of knowledge on this. I feel like if, I mean, if this whole area is irradiated, and it's been that way for a while. I feel like you would just want to like landmine the area around it. I mean, if it's that, there's really no. It's not like uh, this is kind of a bad analogy, but it's not like you know, it's not like shooting someone who's shoplifting. Where maybe we could all agree that like there's probably a bigger social cost to like shooting, arrest them, throw them in jail. But like you, you don't need to shoot someone for stealing like shoes. I'm not saying let it go, but like versus this this is something where it's like you are directly affecting everyone around you like you're not stupid you know what you're doing right yeah no so one... just plain don't do it yeah exactly it's um it's like the people that cry about well he shot the intruder dude if you're going to go into someone's house where they have a wife and two little kids they're going to shoot you in the face you're never going to win that argument i don't know maybe i'm a little more cold hearted or i'm just like just shoot them but that's uh, maybe not that that's maybe not the pr <laughs> that's not the pr move <laughs> It's not the PR move, no, but on the other all. hand, when you consider the amount of harm that they do to make a buck. It does go to other people, and it's radiation, and it goes to everyone. So I don't know. Yeah, maybe you'd want... Well, I got invited back. I, I hope to go in November. Uh, oh, 
I'll suggest the Tommy Kerrigan solution. I don't think they're going to buy shoot it. Just shoot him. But... Just do the Dale Comstock solution. Just shoot him in the face. But, yeah, no, I feel like you'd want a drone or something. I feel... And again... They would this... love to have a drone. Yeah. But, but they also said that the kind of drone that they need, it's horrendously expensive. I think we're talking $100,000 or yeah, so. Yeah, they're not... Because yeah. they need it to stay up for a long time, and then it's got to have the equipment that can tell the difference yeah. between a, a person and a deer yeah you're not putting a little like quadcopter above your backyard and filming a, a barbecue it's how big did you say the exclusion area was thousand square miles yeah no you need you need like you need a you probably need like a northrop grumman like predator or a reaper or a global hawk you probably need something that's up there several miles or you would need thousands of smaller ones at much lower altitudes because just line of sight yeah i, I don't it might just be it might be easier to just get cop cars i think you're um, into that well what what i'm working on and you know just racking my brain trying to figure out every way to get the cop cars but if if we could get a drone as well i mean they're they're mr elon musk boy i bet you could help out with that yeah but if i if i think you're correct though i think you you should go on the path that you're already on if you already have contact it's like the people that are like um uh i just need to get this to joe rogan or i need you know i just need donald trump to tweet right there's often this like lofty i yeah it would be a lot easier if i also just went and won the lottery but like it's not gonna it's probably not gonna happen uh, in my short life i would say go with the thing go with the connections you already have and work forward with that and something else that I, I bet's not as widely known as, as it could be, the ability to get to somebody like Elon Musk. Yeah. The, yeah, the number of gatekeepers they have is just extraordinary. By design. Yeah. Oh, you don't, totally You by don't design. want people reaching you. Yeah. Um, so the, the odds of getting through. On the other hand, if I could think of some brilliant article that would appear in some place that they'd read, that would... I mean, because, look, I know that I can't get through to Mary Parra or whatever the head of Chevrolet is. I can't get through on my own, but I can get to things that she'll read. Yeah. Yeah, I would just, I think the, probably the easier move would just be to get 23 cars. Yeah, I think that would be it. Well, I'm up for, you know, it, it's not either or, it's and. If, yeah. If, if, if I have a way of... of helping get a predator yeah well then it's got to make you start to think then you know something like something like this like an irradiated zone if you're getting away with irradiated material that's not and i understand it's not fissile plutonium or uranium nonetheless though just getting irradiated material that's something that like intelligence agencies around the world pay attention to and always have which makes me think that if it's happening is it just happening or is the, and i don't mean to go full conspiracy because i know that's what everyone always thinks when you try whenever you think critically people like to call it a conspiracy no one ever calls going to the gym self-flagellation no one ever calls learning it reading an audiobook when you're not required to torture but the second you start critically thinking it's oh you're a conspiracy all right, go walk off a cliff. That being said, that is that is a, a 
no pun intended, that is a hot item, irradiation, just for anything to cause damage, right? I mean, you got to think about like homemade but, IED. But what if what if they don't know? Because one of the things that the, how I got invited to Ukraine in the first place is General Nebitov invited me in a Zoom call. He told me that he had so far been unable to get the attention of the State Department. He hadn't been able to get the attention of journalists. And by the way, he wasn't being critical of the State Department. He just said that you know, his, his law enforcement concerns are, are just don't rise to the top of, of attention of the State Department. They've got other things. I mean, he, he, he approached them wanting to get contacts with police in this country yeah. or law enforcement in this country. And you know, the State Department didn't say, hey, we won't help you, but they didn't get around to it either. And yeah. I and he's sympathetic because you know they've got a lot in their plate and they don't have the, the the bandwidth they could devote to to his problems just wasn't great. So he told me that I'm the first person from uh, the first journalist who who had come to see the law enforcement aspect. So it's perfectly possible that that the story isn't widely known. My devil's advocacy would be. If they already have a like a modus operandi of the reason why this is a problem is because the cop cars are gone and the reason they have the cop cars is to arrest them. It seems like this has been an established thing there. And if they know this, if they have like an area where they put them in jail, if there's already like a lined up jail sentence, if they already know, you know, it's 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 bioconcentrated in antlers. These are all things that take time which means it didn't happen. It's kind of like you look back at like November, December, 2019 and your, your knee, your knee jerk reaction is, uh, is why did trying to keep this quiet? Like, you know, don't they know the incubation period is 14 days and people are getting on planes and huh? it's almost like it is either intentional and, or much likely they're just covering it up and they're like, well, screw it. If we're going to have it, the whole world's going to have it. Instead it's, well, they're an idiot. Don't they? No, they know exactly what they're doing. It's like when people are like, man, like, I can't believe Congress is turning a blind eye to Nancy Pelosi's insider trade. They're all doing it. If it if it looks stupid, it's probably not stupid. It's it's malicious. So that's kind of how and maybe I'm giving them too much credit. Maybe they are just stupid, but I'm, I'm going to go with malicious. If at least with the, with with the uh, with COVID, I'm going to go with, with COVID malicious. insider trading. So, again, to me, I look at this as. If Russia is willing to bomb police stations, especially those around an irradiated zone, then they're probably not above facilitating some sort of black market trading, right? Because right, once you've shown that you're willing to, once you've shown that you're willing to go, you know, go to war, invade a sovereign nation, it's not too surprising when you're also running. You know, if if like uh, if Switzerland. It came out that Switzerland had their own like Guantanamo Bay. I think we'd all be kind of shocked. But like when we have one or we have Abu Ghraib and it's like, yeah, but we have we're the CIA. Of course we do. Like it's just it's part and parcel. Right. So, yeah, it's it's not that shocking to think that if they're doing this, if it's Russia, if it's Putin and the oligarchs and they're invading a sovereign nation like to me. It doesn't seem that absurd. Like, do you think they know about the irradiated scrap metal? Yeah, they're probably facilitating it and benefiting greatly.
I'm just thinking of that as as this con as this actual podcast goes on. It's like well, wait. one of the things that I came across from from General Nevitov. I don't know how widely this is known, other than if people have read my columns. But are you aware that that the Russians, as of August, had had kidnapped two hundred thousand Ukrainian children and sent them to Russia? Yeah, that you. I think actually, I think you you told me that. Yeah. And it's not in doubt because they've got the records. What the Russians did was they would go to orphanages and then tell the head of the orphanage, and we've got extremely good records of this according to General Lebitov, they'd go to the orphanage and say, let the kids go with us. We're going to bring them to safety in Russia, or you can keep them here and we're going to see if they don't get any food. Yeah. So if they're willing to... If they're willing to kidnap and transfer 200,000 children at the threat of death by starvation. They're not nice guys. They're probably not opposed to irradiated metal. Again, if it was St. Vincent de Paul or Goodwill or the Salvation Army, I'd be like, they might not know what's going on. They might just kind of be doing the charity work and it's like, hey, dude, you're, you're passing irradiated clothes. But when it's Russia with 200,000 kidnapped children and then I look at irradiated metal I'm like yeah I'm, I'm not really sure if I'm gonna I, I, right there's that law don't attribute to malice what can be attributed to incompetence but I think there's also an inverse don't as we see with our own politicians doesn't Pfizer know that they're putting out a dangerous vaccine yes and they also pushed they also pushed oxycotton they're not calling them incompetent is a huge benefit of the doubt that they don't deserve. Nobody said Himmler didn't know what was going on. He was conscious of it. Mengele was very aware of what he was doing. So there's an What if that phrase, uh, don't attribute to malice what can be explained by ignorance, what if that's just amazingly naive? Well, that's what I mean, is I think the inverse is true. Naive. Because... I, okay, here, here's a grudge I have against my fellow citizens. I think that we just don't process how evil some people are. A hundred percent true. I mean, it, it, Dale, Dale I, has I told saw me. things in, in, in Ukraine that makes me despair of the whole human species. They were so cruel. Andy Stumpf, uh, former SEAL Team 6 member, who's been on Rogan a couple of times, talks about walking into like a compound and finding like a 10 year old girl uh chained to the floor in a room where there's no mattresses she's chained to the floor and kept there as a as a rape item and uh she's covered in feces because uh the guys would just throw their shit at her he's like when you see that that's why i don't blink twice about shooting them in the face dale talks about watching a father bringing his children many of whom could barely walk i mean toddlers kind of doing that toddler wobble and spreading them out in like a a semicircle in front of them and that's how he would walk through valleys so if landmines went off his children were ripped apart there is like a you have to acknowledge not you i mean the listener we live in the land of milk and honey we live in the land of opportunity and freedom the, the most evil things we see here, which are still evil, school shootings, rapes, sure, the everyday just occurrences of some of these places 
would melt your mind and put you in a sane asylum. Well, let me tell you one that melts my mind, and it's something that I saw. Uh, my, my particular interest is human trafficking and doing whatever I can do to, to contribute to, to slowing it or combating it. But at the borders, the traffickers are just waiting for for women, or they particularly love young mothers with you know a toddler in hand. Um, that she crosses over, and there's this seemingly nice guy who says, "Oh, I bet you could use a hot meal and a place to stay, and I'll help you get a job." But the van leaves in ten minutes, so you know get in right now. She will probably be raped thirty times that night, gang raped, and why? because the goal of the trafficker is to demoralize her so much yeah, that she's just them. incapable of, yeah, she's so broken that she can't resist from then on until she dies. Yeah. Now, you want evil, that's up there. So again, when we're floating these ideas, I tend to think that the probably openly channeling irradiated scrap metal to Iran or North Korea or something or just sell it or not even maliciously. They're just selling it and getting the money. That's kind of where my mind's going with this. So that's my, t and who knows? I mean, I might be wrong. They might've actually just bombed a, a police station, but I'm more on the line of, it seems like there's something else going on. It seems I, like I there's a bigger picture. I feel as if in picture. the last year or so that, I've stared evil in the face on a scale that I've never done before, never imagined before. Yeah. And so you, you got to think from that standpoint, right? It's always, it's always hard to imagine them pushing a, a COVID vaccine, but don't they know that's willingly or not knowingly hurting people? I mean, I've interviewed Gerald Posner about his book, Pharma, about the Sackler family. Oh. That was, that was in the nineties. That was just right in the rear. I was alive. That wasn't even like an old tale. I was alive. And you hear about that, knowing full well what it does, and just paying off doctors, giving them timeshares, giving them, you know, jobs at fine, whatever. That was just around the corner, giving their fellow neighbors, right? The, the, the local physician, the town physician who knows everyone they work with, is taking, is taking backdoor payments to prescribe Oxycontin instead of ibuprofen. So, like, when you come to terms with that and are okay with that or not okay with it, but settle that in your head, come to terms with that in your mind. And then you go just 30 years later, the same company is with a lot of the same executives. You go, Oh yeah, no, they would push this. Yeah, Cause they, they push, they... they push something addictive that kills you. They're going to, they have no qualms with pushing something that's not addictive. So like, that's, I guess where my mind's going with this is like, yeah. Yeah, of course they'd sell irradiated metal. That's the least, that's the bottom of the checklist of evil. Yeah, we raped the woman 30 times in a night. We sold the kid and harvested their organs. Then we bombed the police station. What about the irradiated metal? Oh, nothing. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. No, throw that on. Around yeah, we'll do, error. yeah, we'll do that. That's that's like a company like, that's like a company that produces socks. And then they also use like the dust and they compact that and sell it as like, I don't know, fire logs. It's like runoff. Like, oh yeah, no, no, no. We'll do the. It's like the mining companies that sell like the blast material as like driveway like uh, material. It's like yeah 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 no 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 that will we'll we'll recycle that and turn a little profit. Like what about the irradiated metal, sir? Yeah, what are you stupid? They throw that in there. <laughs> exactly. 
I don't know. I kind of this episode took a dark turn, but <laughs> I don't know. I don't really. I don't know if I'm proud of that or whatever. But uh, Miss Mitz Purdue, I got to wrap this one up because I have a, a, a guest who should be appearing in the room any second now. So. Um, and when does when does the other Claire Lopez? The other well, she normally the, comes on Thursdays. Thursdays. So, so she'll be back on Thursday. Yay. Well, we'll tell her that she has uh, an avatar in Salisbury. Tell her she has competition and watch her back. Well, competition, I'm not going to go with that. I'm just going to... Um, I will. I'll put words in your mouth. <laughs> I'll, I'll go for I'll, it. I'm, go the, for I'm it. the middle man. I, get, I, can, I, can, I can spin any yarn I want to. I'll, I'll be like, Claire, I'll be like, Claire, Mitzi is out to kill you. I don't know what her problem is. <laughs> I'll foment a war. I don't care. I'll start stealing irradiated metal. I don't care. You're so my guy. <laughs> I love you, Mitzi. Thank you for I coming on. You. I adore you more. I will put all the links to your stuff in the description. I'll text you the episode when it's up, and I look forward to the next one. Perfect. Thanks a whole lot. Thank you so much. God bless everybody.